0: to the PAXX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 17 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing?
1: Oh, very well, Mary. Thank you. And I just wanted to mention really quickly that over at the Airplane Geeks Podcast, we just completed a survey. And one of the questions we asked our listeners was, what other aviation podcasts do they listen to?
0: Ah. And
1: I was pleased to see that a number of them said they listen to the PAXX podcast.
0: Ah, fantastic. That's very exciting for us. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So hello to all you Airplane Geeks listeners.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Some cross-pollination going on there. Um, I have to apologize in advance. I have been on the road for the last three weeks. I just got back from Denver last night. So um, if I'm not in my usual top form, Max, you'll see, you'll understand why.
1: (laughs) I'm sure it'll be hard to tell, Mary.
0: Uh, Well, I'm not the only one suffering here a little bit. Um, It's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Seth Miller is a popular guest on this show. He's widely known for his work on the Wandering Arameen blog on boarding area and as well as for his content on Roamie Girl Network. He's a true frequent flyer aviation geek, considered an expert in loyalty programs, and increasingly providing some fantastic analysis of the in-flight connectivity market. Uh, He joined uh, me at the Airline Passenger Experience Association's Expo, and then uh, a week later, a future travel experience in Las Vegas. Seth, I know that that you're in recovery. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: It is my pleasure, and I think slowly building my Way back up, we. Uh, you took a lot out of me.
0: I'm so sorry. It's <laughs>
2: okay. It's completely worth it. Uh, a great couple shows. Actually, a lot of fun and interesting news. I don't think anything major necessarily. There's a couple reasonably big announcements. Nothing major, but I think we definitely got some good stories out of it. And I think. We're going to actually talk about some of them today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. In fact, Seth, let's take a look at some of those top PAXX news stories that are making headlines. Now, Seth, as you mentioned, you attended the Future Travel Experience show last week in Las Vegas. And one story that emerged from that event is about how airports are adopting solutions that allow passengers to check in their own baggage. Now, did you see some of the latest technologies on the show floor? And what can you tell us about that? Uh, that's interesting to you
2: um i did see a few of the technologies out there and i think you know other than the fun sort of bits of ooh look laser beams um which is always fun to play with it is i think probably a little bit at this point an incremental growth as opposed to revolutionary growth in the industry there are sort of self-tag machines out there at a number of airports today it's not a ton but i've gotten to use one in bergen norway uh earlier this year for example uh Awesomely, I had problems getting my bags checked in and with my reservation, so it didn't actually work very well for me. Um, but you know, they had agents standing by and ready to help quite quickly and easily when that was necessary. But you know, I think that things like those systems are definitely now switching from "Wow, you think anyone will ever use it?" to "Yeah, we actually need to have these around because it lowers our costs and makes passengers happy and shortens lines and things like that." So. Definitely some interesting options coming up with those. Uh, I think what we might really see, though, is not just self-tagging of bags and having that uh, become sort of the norm, but perhaps a, a bigger jump where passengers will move from, instead of self-tagging bags, sort of permatagging tagging bags, if you will. Having a, a semi-permanent barcode or permanent tag that you can put on your bag with, with a barcode that updates itself using an e-ink or something like that. We may actually sort of skip the self-tagging of the sort of sticky paper tags and move straight to that newer technology, and that's uh, an interesting situation.
0: Yeah, no, that, that very true. I, I'm trying to think which airline is is looking at doing that. Is it British Airways, um, Seth? I, it's not coming to mind. But you know, the one some, vendor yeah. I
2: spoke with uh, played that close to his chest.
0: Okay,
2: he, he said to expect to see it. I believe in the United States and overseas. Later the uh, late fourth quarter or early Q1 15 for a trial run.
0: Interesting. Well, just to, just as a heads up to readers, we do have uh, Marianne Simpson, also a member of the network, uh, attended this future travel experience as well. Uh, she's gone ahead and she's done a pretty thorough lineup of some of the very latest solutions and the companies behind them uh, for the network. So if you do get a chance, we'll offer a link, obviously, to the story in this post. But um, uh, to see who's doing what, one of the things, though, that that came up uh, last week in Vegas and, and kind of is a regular discussion now, uh, particularly amongst areas uh, airline employees, um, is what ultimately all this automation means uh, for jobs, Uh, because increasingly uh, people are getting replaced with technology. Um, You can see their concern. Uh, This is the latest step, Um, you know, the the checked bags, uh, you know, essentially doing it ourselves. I think it's an opportunity for airlines to start, uh, you know, Putting frontline employees uh, where they need them and and in in true value add capacity, um, Max. What are your thoughts on this? Obviously, this is not just relegated to the airport space. This is happening, you know, kind of across the value chain as technology uh, gradually replaces some of these uh, traditional jobs.
1: Yeah, it sure is, and we'll probably see a lot of comments on this topic from labor unions and employees and so forth. And the way I look at it is, you know, in the end. It's beneficial to the customer. It provides more value to the customer, and so for that reason, it's a you know it's a good uh, approach to take. The result is really kind of a shifting in where the jobs are, away from some jobs into more uh, higher tech jobs or different jobs, or as you mentioned, into jobs that still within the the aviation sphere that uh, provide greater value and uh, are shortfalls in terms of customer expectations now.
2: Yeah. yeah and I, I, Mary I think I don't know if you had made it into the session where uh, Ish Sundaram from JetBlue was speaking at FTE uh but he had a sort of an interesting comment on this whole concept and sort of about what JetBlue is doing they're going to be redoing their Boston terminal now that they have full control of terminal C up at Logan mm. and you know one of the things he said and I have a quote from him you know is basically the idea of, you know, if there's something that you're doing with a transaction with a customer and it adds no value to the customer, automate it and don't make the customer do it. Right. And so, you know, and you know his line about the bag print, bag tag printers was sure we can put a baggage kiosk out there and a baggage tag printer and the customer can do that, but that's not necessarily really adding value to the customer. And this is where mm-hmm. I think we're talking about sort of the generation skipping thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he said we could just, you know, let passengers print their own bag tags and that would save you know possibly save them some staffing costs. They may put those staff back sort of out into the lobby area to help confused and lost passengers more than just, you know, those who need to do a bag drop. But doing something like a permanent bag tag at that point still saves them the staffing costs and saves passenger time and yeah. passenger convenience. And so I think that we're gonna start seeing things like that where we trend towards making it better for the passengers. Now obviously the big question there is do you keep all those employees and actually have them provide customer service Mm. or do we just get rid of all of them and make it a fully sort of autonomous experience for customers? And I certainly hope the former, even as a customer who rarely interacts with the crew um, or sort of ground crew, obviously on the plane, I don't have much of a choice, but um, (laughs) if I want a drink, I have to ask for it. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I, I think that Where it really starts to become trouble, obviously, is where airlines cut significantly and then have a flight delay, a canceled flight, some sort of irregular operations, and they can't recover from it. And that is a balancing act, obviously, but the airlines, I think, have probably gone a little too far towards cutting costs uh, for the sake of profits lately, and they suffered dramatically when those irregular operations come up.
0: And, of course, also the initial iterations of these uh, uh, self-checked bags have not always uh, been smooth sailing. And I'm trying to think if it's Amsterdam, um, where I've witnessed some major clog points. And ultimately, you need uh, real, live human beings to come to the rescue. Uh, when people, when passengers get turned around and, and confused by the technology. I think uh, it has to be super, super uh, intuitive uh, for passengers. And um, I, I think some of it still has a little bit of a ways to go there. But um, yeah, certainly uh, certainly interesting days uh, on the ground uh, in terms of the passenger experience. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on it.
1: Well, you know, there's another article that emerged from the Future Travel Experience Conference. Uh, this was actually written by Seth on his wandering Aramean blog over at Boarding Area, and this involves United Airlines' adoption of three different in-flight Wi-Fi solutions and why the carrier is on the bleeding edge of integrating the different products. Seth, you spoke to United about what it's doing. What can you tell us, and what does it mean for the passenger experience?
2: Sure, and you know this is an interesting one. I think I didn't say bleeding edge, uh, to be fair. Mike Moeller uh, from Talos, formerly Live TV, said that, and I think... He's probably mostly right, but not a hundred percent necessarily. And what basically it comes down to is United's approach is much less about let's just make sure our passengers have connectivity because passengers want connectivity and they want to be online. Um, that's certainly true. I think a lot of customers these days are saying they want to be online. It's unclear how many of them are willing to pay for it, but you know some some of them are, and you know companies are making money selling that service. So obviously there's demand there, and United has been slow behind, late to the game, uh depending on how you want to describe it, there's probably some more colorful descriptions out there. Uh, and it's been a challenge for them in the marketplace to say, no, no, we're okay. Like, you know, trust us, we've got a plan here. And a lot of that is because they haven't really come out and said, this is our plan. And finally, you know, at FTE this week, managed to get some words put in behind what that plan is. And The phrase that uh, Tarek, and I'm blanking on his last name now, and I'm sure I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but the phrase that Tarek kept using was making the airplane a node on the network. And what it comes down to is United doesn't just want it for passenger connectivity. United wants the plane to be sort of online as part of their regular operations. They want to have real-time connectivity insight into how it's flying, where it's going, what it's doing, all these things. And You know, some of that has always been available through various monitoring systems, but they want a sort of coherent, uh, overall view of the plane and where it's going and what it's doing. And part of that is passenger connectivity. But a big part of that is all of the other things that can go with it.
1: Seth, does that mean that the airplane, the passengers, and the company are on the same network? Are Are they nodes on the same network? Is that what United has in mind?
2: Yes and no. Uh, I think is the easy answer there which obviously isn't very easy uh, it's going to be the same hardware because the way the connectivity works um, you know, sort of that cabin connect Wi-Fi router boxes there's only going to be sort of one of those or one of those networks there's usually a couple of them on board but uh, they are separate networks for operational data and you know and it's operational monitoring not operational control um, so you know very very low risk in that regard, but there is uh, there is some separation. A user isn't going to be able to sort of log onto the Wi-Fi and see you know engine performance stats. It's
0: um, it's kind of a, it's a hot topic right now. It's being debated uh, pretty feverishly in, in certain closed circles. Um, about what makes sense, uh, it, it seems like not a month goes by without someone claiming that they have the ability to hack an aircraft. Have you guys noticed this? <laughs> uh, where, where you've got uh, folks claiming that uh, they could use the in-flight Wi-Fi to hack an aircraft or the IFE uh, backbone or, or, or whatnot to get access to the avionics. And, um it's very important that the the security protocols are in place to ensure adequate separation. There are some airlines, I think it's worth mentioning, that have gone, taken a, a step even beyond that and are physically installing separate uh, hardware, uh, completely separate hardware. Now, there's not a lot because it's an expensive endeavor, but for those carriers that are uh, you know super sensitive um, and, and cautious in this regard, um, there is a way to, to do it in an expensive fashion, and that is completely separate connectivity uh, systems, not using, um, uh, you know, not using the same box at all. So these are all kind of discussions that are, that are underway. But Seth, um, and I thought it was really interesting, because this emerged out of the Apex Expo Education Conference, um, where Cisco is working with Airbus on something that could potentially raise a few kind of red flags in terms of security concerns. Uh, what was that all about?
2: I wish I knew. Um, (laughs) And I I say that having written an article about it and understanding what's going on there. And at Apex, there were a couple different guys from Cisco on panels doing keynotes, things like that. And every time one of them opened their mouth and started speaking, my sort of gut reaction was, oh, my God, are they serious? (laughs) This spooks the hell out of me.
0: Right, right. Um,
2: One of them was about sort of passenger tracking and beacons and more about passenger tracking than beacons. Um, you know, there's, there's intrusive and non-intrusive ways to do that. But from the connectivity bit, basically what the guy from Cisco was saying is that they believe they've got a single common wireless infrastructure that they can put on an Airbus plane. And by believe they can do it, I mean they think they've completed the project, they've passed a security audit, and they're going to actually have a plane rolling out with this at some point next year.
0: mm that is monumental, really.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, I, I don't particularly get spooked by a single monitoring system. Right. And, you know, that's fine. I do sometimes wonder how much of it is definitely going to be read-only versus read-write and, mm-hmm. you know, where those control systems are and how that all works. Is it monitoring through, you know, is there a broker system somewhere that all the engines and, you know, airplane components report to this broker and then that broker pushes it out? Or yeah. is this, you know are we using Wi-Fi for a sensor at the APU, which is way back at the tail to report back to the cockpit instead of wired connectivity?
0: Right. Um, right, and if, right. And
2: if it's, you know, Wi-Fi for that, where is that connection happening? Is it over a, you know, its own network? Is it over the same hardware? Is it over the same? You know, God, I hope it's not over the same SSID, but <laughs> right. you know, you, you have all these things and there's the part where if it's wireless, it, you know, the data is sort of out there in the ether, right? It's, mm-hmm it still is passing through the cabin even if it's on a separate network so maybe no one can read it but they certainly could sort of listen in even if it's scrambled i mean obviously it would take a long time to try to decrypt it and there may not be anything there but it's an interesting predicament and i let me be very clear i don't see this as sort of like foil hat this is crazy oh my god we're all (laughs) gonna die but it's it's interesting to see how it's going
0: it is. It is. And, you know, I, I have to say, just add to this because whenever, you know, the, someone makes a claim uh, about uh, the hackability of an aircraft, I do do my due diligence and reach out to the various stakeholders in the industry, including some of the guys that are essentially writing the specs uh, for how to use these connectivity pipes for critical data, even though their, their original main focus, say, for example, was the cabin. And I will say this: that people say to me, "Never say never." Nobody's willing to come out and say it's absolutely impossible, uh, to, which is kind of speaks to your point, Seth. But kind of even more broadly, and and Max, of course, you know, you're you're no doubt seeing it yourself. The Internet of Things is coming to aviation in a very big way, <laughs> and um, you know, some of these uh, manufacturers they they uh, they want to be monitoring and, and getting data from now, uh, you know, uh, any number of different systems either on board the air aircraft and, and even at the airport. Um, it was a bit of a bone of contention, though, uh, because Cisco, again, said some uh, kind of very controversial comments at Apex. And Seth, were you there for his presentation? Because I know John Walton wrote a great piece about it, but did you get to listen to what he was saying?
2: Which of the two? The, the one talking about the sort of yeah. tracking passengers through the airport? Uh,
0: yeah, the one that said, you're stupid if you don't just accept the internet of everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that was actually the f- the opening keynote morning on Mm. the educational day. Um, And that was the one that really spooked me. After that, like connectivity on the plane seemed reasonable and healthy, (laughs) which probably isn't good at all. But his basic comment was, well, you know, sometimes passengers get worried about being tracked and, you know, people get worried about being tracked and where they are and who knows what's going on. But inside the airport, it's a secure area. So it shouldn't be a problem. You should just accept that that's going to happen. Right? Uh, There's some very interesting privacy views. Uh, And also particularly interesting to me that this is happening in Copenhagen, which I always sort of felt like the Scandinavians were a little more into the sort of privacy and bits of things, but maybe not. Uh, Maybe I got that part of them wrong. So uh, very interesting things going on there. Also, the Copenhagen airport apparently had a problem losing belt loaders and cargo containers, so they had to put tracking devices on them. That was another part of the sort of Internet of Things that Cisco talked about is they put, they literally put sort of Wi-Fi monitoring devices on every piece of hardware, including the tugs and baggage carts and things like that. And I didn't realize that uh, belt loaders went missing at airports all that often, but apparently that was an issue in Copenhagen.
0: Well, you know, my sister, her husband is is actively involved in in this kind of movement. Uh, in in fact, he's making the the boards that that support the internet of everything. I go to her house and they have everything hooked up. I mean, it's just everything: the garage door, the candy dispensing machine, the lights over the fireplace. And the internet of everything is happening. It's it's fascinating.
2: But does he track if his car is parked or not? <laughs> There's some little things like baggage belt loaders that just don't seem like they go missing to me. I
0: don't
1: know. Seth, I think you mentioned the two things that are of concern when you talk about technologies like this, the privacy issues and the security issues. And I think sometimes when new technologies are being developed, the people doing that development are less concerned about those aspects and more concerned about the technology itself and getting the thing to perform the way that they want. And we see that in a number of areas. but Another uh, way in which this is kind of coming to uh, aircraft is in the whole wearable technology Mm. arena, and we've seen that with the Apple Watch, uh, with Google Glass. In fact, uh, we're, we're starting to see some applications. Now, Mary, you've been kind of tracking some of these developments, and what are you finding?
0: Well, it was really exciting because Honeywell participated in uh, the Cabin Integration Symposium, which is the first-ever symposium uh, that we partnered with them on, Roma Girl Network and Future Travel Experience. And it brought together stakeholders um, across the industry. Uh, it was kind of a who's who. It was a real pleasure to have everyone there. We had Airbus and Panasonic and Talos and and Honeywell, and among uh, many others. And Honeywell took the opportunity at this symposium uh, to reveal an application that essentially connected Google Glass with an aircraft's cabin management system, and in this case, it's Honeywell's popular Ovation Select uh, cabin management system. And they showed a video, and it was it was really interesting to finally see kind of something tangible because a lot of people are talking about what wearables will mean either, uh, you know, on the ground or in flight. And it was great to see an in-flight example where it kind of gave the flight crew this hands-free way of preparing the aircraft um, in advance of takeoff. And everything from, you know, getting, uh, you know, the shades pulled up to the lights turned on to, you know, it was really fascinating to watch. And Honeywell said that the, uh, the technology Technology has clear applications for the commercial airline space. Um, you know, uh, during a conference in Brussels a few months ago, a CETA conference, in fact, they were talking about that, connecting Google Glass and in-flight connectivity and what they can do in the commercial space. But there's also operational benefits. And so, uh, so what Honeywell was talking about and also what, what we kind of discussed on this panel was what happens, you know, when you equip your, you know, your pilots, when you pair your pilots or your mechanics to the aircraft. What are the creative ways you can drive operational benefits? I think we're in kind of really the most interesting time ever for uh, technology, uh, onboard aircraft and aviation. The Google Glass uh, and wearables movement is just one of them. But it kind of hearkening a little bit back to what we were discussing earlier about in-flight connectivity… As Seth said, it's not just about passenger connectivity. It is about operational benefits, and we're starting to see now some uh, other kind of tangible examples. So Delta Airlines um, has been rolling out connected tablets uh, with their flight attendants, uh, something Seth has written about for us for, for, for the network. Um, there is real-time credit card transactions happening in flight. Um, that surprises people that most, uh, you know, items uh, are not uh, transacted in real time. Um, so shrinkage uh, is being cut in flight. Uh, fraud is being cut in flight. And then also using the connectivity for things like, you know, knowing how much catering you need on the other end, being able to call ahead and say, look, this is what we've got meal-wise. This is what we're going to need. Like these really basic, logical um, electronic flight bag and weather applications have been discussed, obviously, for, for, for years, but that's all starting to come into play as well. And and pilots are finally going to have the type of uh, weather mapping intelligence in the cockpit as uh, we passengers have had uh, through connectivity in the cabin. So um, the operational benefits, it's kind of endless right now. Um, And it's a really exciting time. And um, it looks like people aren't just, you know, throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. People like Honeywell are really trying to uh, move forward and implement uh, these things. And I just and I do want to mention Philippine Airlines, because uh, they took time at the Apex Expo to spend, uh, you know, about 45 minutes with journalists explaining how they see connectivity as essential to driving operational benefits through their partnership uh, with On Air. So airlines are finally talking about it. Vendors are sh- finally showing us some real-time uh, examples. It's exciting right now. Um, Seth, what about you? What do you think in terms of the wearables movement?
2: It's, it's interesting to me. I think, you know, the Honeywell demo sort of for the flight attendant, you know, Google glass, dim the lights on the plane or close the window shades kind of thing is a little kitsch to me. Aww. Um I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things like, I, it's hard for me to see where the huge efficiency of that is. I mean, this is, we're talking about, the demo was a woman flight attendant on a private jet. We're talking about 50, 60 feet at most to walk end to end. Like, I don't, it, it didn't seem to me like there was that huge a need in that regard. Now, you mentioned maintenance, that's one where I could absolutely see huge value in this. I know things like being able to sort of have a heads-up display of wiring schematics or, you know, systems on you as opposed to having to go back and forth between the blueprints and the plane to figure out, you know, are, are things set up correctly? Where, do they, where does this widget go? Where does this sprocket fit kind of thing? Uh, that I see as huge potential value. Uh, and I know Honeywell is also working towards that end for some of their maintenance stuff, uh, back in April, I think, or May, I was out at an event at their Phoenix headquarters and they had some of that stuff on display, how they're working through those things, being able to do sort of a wearable with inspection and, you know, voice recording and doing all these things to sort of integrate the entire process and getting that working with FAA standards and such. So I definitely think there are going to be some big advances in that regard, you know, Virgin Atlantic tried Google Glass on the commercial flights, if I remember correctly, and it was sort of to recognize their customers and know who likes what. Maybe that works. I don't know. Uh, it seems a little weird to me that you need to do the facial recognition and that sort of stuff to recognize who's who and who needs what um, as a customer. You know, I don't mind that the flight attendant has a tablet and it says next to Seth Miller he likes, you know, rum and ginger ale as his pre-departure drink. Uh, I actually really like that uh, as opposed to minding it, Uh, especially if the drink shows up without me asking. Uh, But at the same time, you know, that seems just a little bit less intrusive to me Hmm. while providing the same level of service potentially. Hmm. And, And I know that there are a number of airlines working towards that sort of tablet solutions for their crew. I was flying on one the other day, which it's in testing right now, and happened to have a friend on board who works for the company, and afterwards, he's like, yeah, well, you were the only elite on board, and so we knew this and this about you, and that's why you got this and that. So it's an interesting experience.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I should note that some of the crew that are using tablet technology now and in-flight connectivity are actually getting some of the the, the paperwork done that they normally uh, would have to, uh, you know, spend an hour doing after the flight. They're they're starting to to get a heads up on that, which is kind of an interesting uh, additional kind of ops benefit um, when you're able to clear some of your some of your work um, as a as a member of crew. Absolutely, um, in especially flight.
2: international flights where they yeah. have a lot of lot of that sort of stuff comes in, and if they can, you know, be fast when they land as opposed to having to sit in a crew room afterwards that's a huge benefit for them
0: sure absolutely
1: well airlines um, probably when they look at these new technologies think first of ways to reduce their costs and i would submit that uh really they should prioritize uh, applications that benefit the uh, the flyer uh something that increases the sort of end-to-end customer experience because right now you know it's not that great and <laughs> while reducing <laughs> reducing your operating costs and uh, making your employees more efi- efficient uh is you know that's a great thing but I just hope they focus more on it from the uh, customer 's perspective because that 's where we need some help
0: yeah well you won 't get any argument from me there um, <laughs> max i 've done so much flying over the last three weeks, and you know I, again, and it 's my common complaint but um, you know the the passenger experience, particularly in economy class right now is 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 not always a great experience, and one would hope that something can be done to improve that, um, and also pre-flight as well. It can be quite a tense situation, and, you know, you're getting on board these aircraft, and people, the tensions are getting higher. I, I even witnessed it firsthand um, on a flight where the woman behind me, Um, it's one of those classic situations where the person in front of you reclines, then you're kind of forced to recline in order to have any room. And then the woman behind you or the man behind you, uh, gets upset that you've reclined. And this woman's response was to just start kicking the back of my chair consistently
2: so so it was a two and a half year old kid
0: (laughs) very much so very much so and it was consistent and i you know you know how sometimes you're just so you're working so hard and um you're so spent that you don't have the energy that it would take to rise up and you know have a scene i was just so exhausted I, i i kept kind of looking back just hoping that it would stop and and uh and kind of giving her the hairy eyeball and finally it did after 15 minutes but i I think it drew, drove her actually kind of a little crazy that i i wouldn't feed into what she clearly wanted was some sort of confrontation and I, you know it just made me think you know this is this is getting it's getting rough sometimes up there and 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 how low can you go in terms of obviously the seat pitch that we talk about a lot how much a- a- aggravation can passengers suffer pre-flight uh um check in uh the bag queues the check-in uh, rather the um security how much aggro can people take before it starts getting explosive we've seen a number of headlines recently uh, of diversions and of course iata saying that uh, air rage incidents are on the rise just wanted to throw it out there i think that um i think that we need to be paying really close attention to this the passenger experience is devolving in economy class <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. just is yeah.
2: i will throw a quick little anecdote similar to that one out there i was uh, on my trip home from the west coast after the conference uh, mm. gentleman in the row behind me started watching a movie on his phone without headphones. Mm. And it's loud enough on a plane that you usually don't hear the people too far away from you. But this one, he had obviously turned it up so he could hear it also. And I just casually took my headphones, which I wasn't using, out of my bag. and was like, oh, would you like to borrow a set of headphones? Mm. And completely threw them off guard. And yes, it was a little passive-aggressive and snarky and obnoxious, <laughs> but...
1: That's no, a good way to approach it. What was his reaction?
2: Um, oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. No, don't worry about it. And he sort of like was a little weird and ashamed. He also was trying to poach one of the extra legroom seats and the flight attendant had told him to move three times. And he was upset that he was in a regular middle seat. Otherwise, when these empty seats were available, it was there was a whole lot of interesting going on with this guy to begin with. But the uh, yeah, the would you like to borrow a set of headphones? Um, and, and, and you know, it was it was an interesting sort of sort of a kill them with kindness way to diffuse mm-hmm. the situation. Obviously, with the knee recline one, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of option there. But I found that you know you can sort of confuse and embarrass someone into <laughs> shrinking back into their little hole sometimes.
0: Yeah, well, I agree. I think that's actually really good advice, there, Seth. Well, we're uh, we're rapidly coming to a close. I want to thank our, our listeners, and remember, you can find us online at uh, RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at, at @RunwayGirl, and remember to use the #PaxEx hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. We'd love if you could join in in the conversation. Um, I'd like to reiterate our thanks to Seth Miller for being our guest. Seth, where can listeners find you at?
2: Uh, I am at wandering Airman on Twitter, except it's spelled wrong. So you'll never find me actually. Uh, and I know Mary, we've talked about this before. We need to fix that. We're gonna uh, w a n d r dot me online is a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, there's links from there to all of me.
0: Yeah, and of course uh, we're running uh, your content regularly also on the network. Uh, particularly what you've been doing in the inflight connectivity space—it really interest really interesting stuff. And I get to see all the back end, all the stats on the back end of how these articles fare, and I can I can confirm that there is huge interest in uh, this particular part of the market. So exciting days, yeah.
1: Fantastic. So uh, Seth, always a pleasure. Thanks, Max, and for all you listening. Join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PAXX podcast.
0: Thanks, everybody. Take care.